We are back yet again for another return of the roar. Uh, Frankie Cardicelli, myself, Chris Watkins, as always. Uh, I think this might be our longest hiatus that we've had uh, in between episodes, at least in a very long time, at least since the end of the season. It was not intentional. Well, it was kind of intentional, but uh, it, it was not a, a break that we were we were taking. It wasn't like a... Uh, you know, oh, we definitely need to take two weeks off. Let's do it right now thing. Uh, life kind of, I wouldn't say got in the way, but I had some uh, some life things going on. My sister got married out in Mexico. So uh, shout out her first off. Second off, uh, <laughs> obviously couldn't record because, uh, you know, I was trying to enjoy my vacation for once. And uh, as you, know, you should have, yes. as you absolutely should have. <laughs> it was very nice. beautiful, uh, beautiful yes. vacation. Look like how was how was Mexico, by the way? Like Did, did you? Like how it was like, a, like, like like hundreds or like nineties? No, it was like mid to high eighties. But the problem is the humidity. I'm not mm-hmm. built like that at all. Um, and it was like 80 percent humidity. And so it was one of those where it's like you can check your your phone weather and it'll say the actual temperature like whatever eighty six degrees. But then it has the feels like, and that feels like is what you should really pay attention to because that's really it is accurate and it was like feel it said feels like 99 100 degrees who who determines that who did someone Science. go outside and just says hey if it's it feels like it's, it's they a put vibe. It in the phone yeah. and they vibe it's, it it's out it's a vibe check it's a vibe check for sure straight They're vibe like, only vibes mm, like the thermometer says or whatever the hell how do you thermostat thermometer Therm- whatever thermostat i think it's thermostat. it says it's 85 but you go outside you do the little finger lick and then yep. you like put it up and you're like, mm, feels more like 95 to me. Yeah, actually. I think that's, yeah. And then someone for Apple or whatever weather app just puts that in themselves. Like, yeah. I just want to know how that process works because yeah. that's a job I'd like to have. Yeah. No, it's, it, it seems like a great job to apply for. It's it's well, during summer lick. here. You know, we know we get the 100, 105, 160 degree, yeah. degree days here in Sacramento. I wonder if you can just go out. It feels like 120. I, 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 don't, I know it's not like I've felt that before in Vegas. It was like 117 one time. But yeah. it feels after like 105, it just, does it really feel any different? Even after 100, does it really feel different? Just uncomfortable. No, I don't hot. think so. I mean, I haven't experienced like an Arizona, like – Vegas. I've I've been in Vegas when it was bad summer league like three or four years ago, and uh, it was like that level hot for sure. And like it just feels like somebody has like a blow dryer, like that they're mm-hmm. just going up and down your entire body every step you take. Not fun. I've been not ideal. no. I've I've been to Phoenix and Las Vegas in the summer, and I'm I'm telling you, it's it was 115 in Phoenix when I went on a trip like back in high school, and then it was 117 in Vegas a couple summers ago, and. In in Phoenix, I remember putting my hand on the hotel window glass. It was like three o'clock in the afternoon, and my hand like almost got See, burnt. Yeah, it's it's why do you guys live there? Why would you live there willingly? I don't know, but I don't know, man. That's why here. California's got the most people. That's why it's the most expensive place to live. Yeah, it's really nice here. Turns out, well, we get the the worst of the heat, I think, don't we? Like in California, like the, the Central Valley um, probably gets the worst of the heat. I mean, sure, but I, I've as I've quickly realized, like the dry heat is is it's just a different level. Like at oh, least yeah. you know we we I mean not say sometimes during Sacramento for sure there's no breeze or anything and it's 110 degrees and you're just baking. But um, you know I don't know Sa- it, Sacramento it, it feels, though it's not the same. We get the Delta breeze, which is really yeah. nice. Like in the afternoon, like in summer nights around 7:38 p.m. Yeah, you won't know what I'm talking about if you live out here in Sacramento. <laughs> you Delta Breeze, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, it's like no, the, man. the the first thing like everybody over the age of sixty says is that Delta Breeze. That Delta no, my- Delta Breeze is definitely like the middle square on Sacramento Bingo. Oh, like, it's it's huge. My mom, my whole life. Yeah, in Yuba City, we got a little bit of it too. We would get it sometimes. Like it, it travels. I think uh, <laughs> the river is is kind of it goes up there a little bit. And my mom, when we were kids, used to always say, "The Delta Breeze, open the house up." And we'd had a house fan, and um, that was that was instilled in me early. So now, as a twenty seven year old man, I open up all the windows in the house at seven o'clock at night during summer, and I say, "Let's let's let's bask in the Delta Breeze." You know, Delta Breeze it out. I'm enjoying this last cool week before we get into the the hot weather is coming literally like what Friday Saturday. Yes, it is coming this weekend. It's supposed to be in the mid 90s this weekend. So it's um, officially the end of spring. 
it rained yesterday for a good portion of the day, uh, super randomly. And we're ending the, so we're starting the week with rain, ending with the hottest temperature it's been all year. Very hot. So, um, love it, Cali, but, um, glad you enjoyed your vacation. We are back. Much needed. It was Um, too long. Turns out. I mean, this is very, very us, I guess, but it's very Sacramento Kingsy for the one week, or I guess we kind of took off two weeks here that we take off is, uh, the weeks that the Kings decided to pretty much run their entire head coaching search. Um, so, I mean, obviously that's kind of what we're going to get into on today's episode is, is a lot of, um, catching up on, on what we missed. I mean, we, we did pretty much miss the entire, um, you know, the final stage of the coaching and then the ultimate decision, um, the agonizing so portion, sure. the, the agonizing, agonizing portion for sure. Um, and I mean, I guess we'll we'll just start with with the uh, with the naming of the finalists, which we kind of again we we missed um, we missed. I think that was last week, uh, where they it kind of came out that they narrowed it down to the final three um, of of Steve Clifford, uh, Mark Jackson, and then the eventual hire of Mike Brown. Uh, Frank, just first off, what were your initial reactions when um, I believe it was uh, it was. I'm going to give credit to our local guys, Sean and, and James, who who kind of reported that the list had been officially down to those three. I remember uh, I don't obviously I was on vacation, so I wasn't uh, following it minute for minute. But it, it seemed like for a minute there, um, th- those three names got released and then it kind of was a waiting period of, OK, what about the guys that we want, though? Like, that's yeah. great. That these that, three that's guys- great. These three guys who are the vets and, you know, we were all like, yeah, those are NBA coaches, but where's all the young guys? Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, you and I both, I think one of the last things before you left, we were kind of talking about how much we liked. I think we both were in on Darvin Ham. Yeah. Um, some of those other guys that were, like you said, in that younger pool. So when the finalists were announced, uh, Mark Jackson obviously caused a ripple effect across all of Sacramento where people were, were screaming uh, mostly no. I saw some yeses out there on, on, you know, places like Facebook and, and a couple <laughs> on Twitter. Some people are in, are in Mark Jackson's corner, but a, a majority, honestly, 90% of those responses were negative. Um, Mark Jackson, Steve Clifford and Mike Brown and, and Mike Brown and Steve Clifford kind of fall in that category of their veteran season head coaches. They both had multiple jobs. So what I took from those finalists was kind of, wow, kind of like how Monty go has, has gone with the draft as far as, Tyrese Halliburton was was not a freshman. He was a sophomore. Obviously, Davion Mitchell was a a senior. Those are guys with experience, and then they're, they're seasoned for for college, you know, in that aspect. But he went the same route with coaching. Guys that are seasoned are not going to be rookies, not going to be first year head coaches. They're going to be people that have done it before, have been on the block. And we look at what, what Mike Brown has done. He's been a head coach, uh, I believe, eight seasons in his career. And he's been on an NBA bench since he was 27 years old and he's 52 now, which is crazy. I had no idea this man was a, an assistant coach back when he was 27. So um, it, it it was an interesting list because I wanted the young kind of rookie situation. I would have liked to bring in a, ni- a nice, fresh perspective, especially from um, I was I was mostly in on Darvin Ham because of the fact he comes from from Coach Bud. Obviously, we know what Mike Budenholzer does there in Milwaukee and where Mike Budenholzer comes from, Greg Popovich. So um, Mike Brown being named, well, let me get your thoughts first. Like I was, I won't say I was disappointed in those finalists, but I was, I wasn't thrilled. Do you feel, did you feel the same way? Or were you kind of just like, you know, okay, like these guys have some experience and I guess it's not the worst thing, but, or did, did you kind of sit on the side of the fence of you really wanted that young coach to come in and take over? Yeah, I mean, I, I was definitely rooting for a young coach throughout the process. I w- kept saying I was looking for like the sh- I, why don't the Kings look for like the Sean McVay of basketball? I, what the young guy who you know is is the you know pretty much what Taylor Jenkins and uh, and um, Chris Finch are, are viewed as right now. Though you know Chris Finch isn't that young, but um, I think uh, he looks like an He's older young- guy. Young-ish, he's he's young, but he he has an old face, so I well, can't, what do we, I can't what, know how old Chris Finch is. What do we categorize like? as young for a, a head coach? Maybe like under. I would say 16? under forty five, probably. Chris okay, Finch that's is like 40, young. fifty two, so I would not consider him young. Yeah, I mean the thing is, Adelman was yeah, 
And that's Taylor not Jenkins right. Adelman 37. In, in Adelman was 52. Situation. Rick Adelman was 52 years old when he took over the Kings, by the way. Fun fact. Yeah, and I would say, you know, Rick is a, uh, you know, he, he never looked like a young man, I would say. During he definitely did not. Coaching tenure. Um, but, you know, that's just me. And, and my reason for that is I, you know, I think it would be beneficial for this team to, you know, and this is a very large step, I understand. And there's no reason why they can't just make this decision with their next head coach. But um, not to already talk about our next head coach, but um, I just would like to see this team kind of like what they were aiming for, I think, in Mike Malone and get a young coach that can really grow with this team and that they can realistically have a 10, 15 year run with it in a perfect world, you know, um, but that is not what happened. And, um, you know, it was probably looking back it was probably uh foolish to not foolish but it was it was uh the writing was kind of on the wall that 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 they were going to always kind of go for um an experienced guy who they felt knew could come in right away and and really turn this team into something if if they're given the right amount of talent um the biggest takeaway i took when i saw that that list of guys was okay like they're this is like they have a defined window here. I know Mark uh, Mike Brown got a, a four-year contract, but I think what they're really looking at is the next two seasons with Demonis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. Um, and I don't really think that they're looking much further than that. I think they needed to bring in somebody, like I said, who can really come in today or whenever the Warriors are eliminated, day one, and will coach this team to a level that is – you know, you know, they needed a, a, a solidified guy, somebody they knew um, was an NBA coach today and was ready to go much like how people talk about uh, Davion Mitchell or coming out of the draft. It's like, it's kind of like that where you're, you're drafting an older guy because you know, he can come in, um, know what he's doing, not really fidget around and, and hit the ground running because this team, it needs to get good by the time Demontis Sabonis' contract is up or else he's gone and they're going to have to restart everything at that point if they just lose uh, Sabonis for nothing. So I think that they're they're looking at a very short window here and Mike Brown is a younger guy. Like you said, he's 52. He's not in his 60s or late 50s or anything like that. Like he can he can still put some years in if this thing goes well. But um, I think they're kind of... To me, it seemed like a a short, short. I don't know, not 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 long term for sure. Short term kind of vision. It is kind of to me like a a move, and and we'll get into I'll get into what I like about Mike Brown's his his coaching record and and the defensive metrics, all that stuff. We'll get into that in a minute. But as far as just the move to bring Mike Mike Brown in. Um, I agree with you as far as like it is kind of an interesting move because it is kind of it's kind of like the Sabonis move or where Mike Brown is 52 years old and it's a four year deal, which is a long deal for a head coach. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It's this isn't a two year deal or anything like that. It, he's he's supposed they're planning on him being here for four years. I mean, I, I know that the Kings have had head coaches that they've they fired two or three years into their contract. I would imagine that the Kings are going to be pretty hard on 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 this this go around they can't keep affording to pay two head coaches at once they're still paying luke walton this year when they paid luke walton they were still paying george carl and they're paying george carl they're still paying yada yada, yada. you get it or dave yeager they're still when they're paying dave yeager, they're still paying george carl there's they've been paying two head coaches each year for the past like five years so um they brought but bringing mike brown is kind of reminiscent to like the sabonis move as far as they have sabonis fox and brown now that's their that's kind of like their big three. That's their head coach. Those are your two stars. Monty McNair is one year on his contract left, I believe. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of interesting in that regard because I wouldn't be surprised, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I would not be surprised if they do end up extending Monty McNair for either two more years or three more years to coincide with Fox and Brown because this to me is like the the window. They're establishing that Fox and Brown are going to be together for ideally this four-year window. Mm-hmm. before they have to hit eject on the De'Aaron Fox project uh, for good. And Sabonis is two years. And obviously at the hope that Sabonis will find success, the Kings can keep it going. But by not bringing in a young head coach, that's like you said, you know, in his 40s or late 30s or what have you, that could have a chance to really kind of be here for, you know, hopefully a guy that can be here long term, kind of like hoping he could be 
like a Spolster situation or, or, or something like that. And I'm not saying that Mike Brown, you know, seven years from now, the Kings could be on a playoff run where they won, you know, they made it five years in a row. And I could be, we could be sitting here saying, oh, hey, didn't work out that way, but it worked out somehow. Um, but it, it's just kind of like that, that win now move to me. It's kind of like that, that they're bringing in a guy who has been a part of the Golden State Warriors, the one of the greatest dynasties of all time over the past six, seven years. Um, who's been a big part of it. I mean, he, Mike Brown's been in that second chair for five, six seasons now. And this year in particular, he's been in charge of their defense, which has been the best in the NBA. Um, he's helped revamp this Warriors team, which kind of had to rebuild itself a little bit over the past two seasons. And now they're they're one win away from the Western. Oh, Frank just cut out there. Not sure what's going on. I'm back. There we I'm go. Back. You're back. You're back. I'm back. I'm, I'm back. I'm back. I'm thinking I'm back. Uh Mike Brown on the bench last night. So what I'm saying is he brings experience. He brings experience, uh, that pedigree that you're looking for in a head coach. Correction, um, I mean, nobody on this team except for, uh, I believe, Harrison Barnes and Sabonis has had true playoff experience. So um, it's it's really going to be, I think, in my mind, a positive for this group. Is it going to be enough to push it over the hump? We're going to find out. But um, – as far as the move goes, I'm I'm happy with it, opposed to the other the alternatives because we know Mark Jackson would. We don't even really need to get into the Mark Jackson thing unless you want to. I mean, do you really want to get into the possibility? Of, like, did you ever think that you could talk yourself into that? Because I never I never could have. No, um, I I don't think I would have talked myself into liking him as the selection. Um, I think. Funny enough, I even kind of view Mike uh, Mike Brown in the same light. I think the most likely scenario for for both of those candidates, but something to watch for Mike Brown is is if things do go well, I could definitely see this being pretty much a Mark Jackson Steve Kerr situation where, yeah, like maybe Mike Brown can get us back to normalcy, can get us struggling or you know uh struggling uh can get us it would be a thriving to get to like a seven seed or six seed or something like that get us respectable and then once we're at that point for one two maybe three years um moving on to that next level where it's like okay now we're we're bringing in this guy and this is actually the guy that we want to take us to next level um something i wanted to bring up with mike brown is and it's not something uh, groundbreaking or anything, but just the the level of talent that he has coached in the past. I mean, I was really thinking about it. I, I probably maybe Phil Jackson is probably the only person who can really say that they coached better talent than Mike Brown in their career. Greg Popovich, I guess, but he kind of had just had his three, four guys, David Robinson as well. But um, you know, to, who else can say that they coached LeBron James? Kobe Bryant, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant. Hey, I mean, how about are... how about the the war? Uh, I had no idea he was on the Spurs dynasty too. For a yeah, that's bit. true was... too. Yeah, I guess you can yeah. say that he also fits into there as well. I mean, so he he's got pop beat for sure because he's got all pops guys. And um, yeah, I mean, you throw on the other probably the four best players of the two thousands. Um, it's obvious. I don't think that's going to translate any, you know, <laughs> De'Aaron Fox is not adding, is not getting added to that list of players, but um, no, but, but he's, but, he's to be, to be fair, he's won wherever he's gone. I mean, that's yeah, the facts. He's won yeah. wherever he's gone. I mean, is it all because of him? I don't know, but like, go, I want you to continue. Sorry, but I'm saying no, no, no. That's, guys that, won. that's a great point because I think that's, that's a very key thing is like, I think that's what makes it so this judging this hire. So, so tough is, um, obviously with all that pedigree that Mike Brown has all the, the different coaches, all the different, um, you know, franchises, players that he's played for and with, um, for, for him to come into Sacramento, like it's, you can't really tell what he's going to do, how he's going to do in this situation, because it's kind of like a, uh, chicken or the egg, which, who, what is responsible? Who is responsible for Mike Brown's success? Is it the LeBron Jameses that he's played with? Obviously, anybody, you could argue anyone who was coaching LeBron James during that time would have, would have found some sort of success. But Mike Brown did, um, pretty much optimize that team. I mean, I think he got him to 60 wins twice, um, had the best defense in the league one of those years. Um, and it was not a, a stacked team by any chance or, um, you know, those, those Laker teams that he had, they weren't, 
you know, they, they, they weren't the, they were still Kobe and Pow, and, and, you know, it was the ingredients of their um, finals teams, but it was not, you know, it was not that same team. And he was, you know, he was still, like you said, successful um, in the, in those times. And it's just tough because you, you've never really seen Mike Brown have a situation that he needs to build up without, these star players. And so it's just, it's interesting to me how he's going to take his previous experience and uh, apply it towards this team that, that really does need some coaching up. You know, it's interesting to me looking at his coaching history. I mean, the worst season he ever had was the last season that he, he coached, which was in uh, the LeBron James list Cleveland Cavaliers in 2013, 14. Oh, that's right. I forgot he got that other job. And they went, they went 33 and 49. Now the Kings have won more than 33 games. I think what once in the past 16 years. That's um, and the lineup on the, the lineup, Chris, for this team, Kyrie Irving, who was obviously he was a second year in the NBA, he was growing into a star. Luol Dang, Jarrett old Jack, old Luol Dang, Jarrett Jack, Tristan Thompson, Tyler Zeller, and then a little bit of Dion Waiters, a little bit of Alonzo Alonzo Gee. Spencer Hawes, this team was garbage. Yeah, and like the Kings roster is bad too. And we, we we're Kings fans and Kings people that covered the Kings. We we know how bad the team's roster has been for years. But do yourself a favor and go look at that 2013-14 Cleveland Cavaliers team if you're listening to this and look at that roster and tell me that this Kings roster is 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 worse. I won't believe you because that roster is bad. And I'm not saying well pat on the back you let a, a bad team do a bad record. 33 wins isn't great, but the point is. Um, he, even with the bad roster, he made them somewhat, you know, we would call a 33 and 49 season, a salvageable, decent, Hey, we won, you know, that's more games than we won them pretty much any other year during the drought. I mean, this year they won 30, which is incredible to me. And and they were horrible, the Kings. So, um, yeah, over his career, I mean, his win loss record as a head coach, it, it, it looks really good to the eye test. Obviously, I mean he's three hundred and forty-seven and two sixteen. That's a six sixty-one percent winning percentage. Um, in the playoffs, he's forty-seven and thirty-six. Again, most of those come from the LeBron James, uh, the young LeBron James Cleveland Cavaliers teams, where they went to the finals in 07, went to the conference finals a couple times. Um, so obviously, he hasn't been a head coach, like a true head coach, really since that kind of time in, in Cleveland, where he was a head coach for for five straight years, but. Um, it's not like he's been sitting on, in, on the side on vacation or whatever, kicking his feet up. He's been on the bench in golden state since 2016, winning two championships, being an integral part of, of Steve Kerr's coaching staff, um, filling in for Steve Kerr when Steve Kerr had his back problems a couple of years ago. And, and again, uh, Mike Brown as a golden state warriors coach, uh, in the playoffs hasn't lost a game, never lost as as LeVar Ball would say. Um, so I, I just think a little – he deserves some credit. I mean, people out there that want to say and, – and Nick, our, our boss, Nick Cattles, on the show yesterday asked me if Mike Brown should be discredited or, or should people discredit him for that excuse. Oh, he coached Kobe. He coached LeBron. He coached all these great players. I mean, there's a lot of coaches that coach these great players, and they don't have that kind of success. And I think Mike Brown deserves a little bit of credit. Because just because you have LeBron James on the roster, that doesn't mean – I mean, the rest of the roster on that 07 Cavs team was horrible. Like, horrible. That team is famously known to be such a bad roster outside LeBron James. And Anderson Verge, I think, was maybe an all-star or, or played like an all-star that year. Um, so I'm intrigued to see what he does in a head coaching position again. Um, I I don't know if he's going to come out of the gate and, and be – the the solution immediately. I think Jason Anderson, the B, said that he talked to people around the league and not a news flash that people think the Kings need more to be a contender. We all kind of have that same idea. Uh, so we'll have to see what Monty does. But um, I am I'm intrigued about the defensive aspect of Mike Brown. Is that something that you also like? What do you do? You have any feelings towards Mike Brown that you can say make you feel better? that he's coming in to be a head coach that you are excited about, or are you just kind of like neutral and let's wait and see? I mean, I feel good about his, the, the what I've heard about how regimented he is just in his schedule and his daily life. 
Um, it sounds like he is borderline, if not is OCD about just preparation and, and how he does things and, and, and keeping an order to things. And we heard De'Aaron Fox in his exit press conference uh, at the end of this year mention that what he was looking for in a coach is somebody who brings structure. He specifically said structure, but not somebody like a militant, um, which I think was kind of like, okay, Dave Yeager, but not somebody as harsh and non-relatable as Dave Yeager. And I think Mike Brown is, is a good, is pretty much fits that description to a T. Um, he, he, like I said, he's, he's known to have very, very structured um, outlines of how he wants his days to go, how he, you know, I've heard he likes to plan out his outfits and um, is just a very detail oriented guy. And I think that is something uh, that this Kings team really needs is somebody who is is going to define roles and is going you're going to know what you're going to get from him on a daily basis and and um, everyone knows what's expected of him and I think that'll do well for him in terms of the actual on the court product I think a lot of that is going to come down to who they bring in talent wise um, you know if they're going to roll out Dante DiVincenzo and Trey Lyles again I wouldn't expect much different results but if they can you know, pick up some some real, real high percentage shooters and and bring in some length and some some defensive minded players. I think you could you know bring in people who fit Mike Brown's style. Mike Brown is a defensive coach. You see how many you know. I think Davion Mitchell can be just a why not? Let's just compare them with the current Warriors, just because we see how their defense is and the type of players they have and, and what they've been able to do with the type of players they have. They, I think Davion Mitchell and, and Gary Payton, the second can be very, very similar. If not, obviously Davion Mitchell, a, a better player than Gary Payton, but the kind of impact um, that Gary Payton has had, they have their Jonathan Kaminga's obviously Kaminga is a top 10 pick. It would be tough to, to get somebody as talented as him, but um just getting those long, versatile, versatile stretch wings um, and some real legit shooting on this team. And I think you you can see how those ingredients could maybe equal success for the Kings because a lot of, frankly, a lot of the offense is going to be Fox opponents picking roles and just having those guys create everything within the offense. I think the key is going to be everybody around them and how those other pieces support those two guys both offensively and defensively, because I think both of them need help, um, especially on defense. Gary Payton, by the way, Gary Payton II, is going to be a free agent this this summer. I definitely I was, thought about it. I was like, you know, there's, what are the odds that, that the Kings just straight bring him in? I mean, is there going to be players from this Warrior team that, that come over to us? Because it's it's a proven, you know, Mike Brown has proven with those specific guys that, that – um, you know, that they can fit into his system, maybe like a, a Damian Lee or something, maybe a Juan Toscano Anderson. I don't know these guys contracts. I'm just saying maybe we see some of those lower level guys come over. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they lose Damian Jones, but bring in Kavon Looney. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you never know. I mean, the Sacramento Kings that have, they, they classically, I mean, I might add, uh, have to overpay people to come play here. And Gary Payton made about, little under two million this year. I mean, I can see the Kings giving him. Um, I can't remember if the mid levels five or six, but they maybe they they use that or part of that to, to bring in um, a true backup guard, a backup guy, a, a guard who can play multiple positions. I think he play the one and the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Steph Curry little, calls him the tallest six six he's ever seen, or six whatever he is six, six three six three. Yeah, he's like he's it, the it tallest six three. three I've ever seen. But he, I mean, he's a guy who I mean, one and a half steals. Per, per game this season and he only played 17 minutes per game um not much of a shooter i mean yeah th- th- those are questions that the kings are gonna have to answer this offseason that's the fun part of who are, who are they gonna bring in and um who has a relationship with mike brown and would want to play for him and there, there are people that speak very highly of him and i have a couple things um draymond green who is probably one of the top defenders in, in the entire league has been for years um according to draymond this is from the athletic uh on mike brown Draymond Green says that Mike Brown holds guys accountable like I haven't seen before in the league on the defensive end. And coming from a guy like Draymond Green, who has been such a huge, huge component of of the NBA's, those budding stars on the defensive end, um, 
that means something. And then you look at LeBron James, who in, in 2020, we're talking about Mike Brown from his time with the Cavaliers. Um, LeBron said the following. I'd probably give a lot of credit to Mike Brown. He came in with a defensive mindset, with a defensive strategy to Cleveland when he got the head coaching job. He told me he wanted me to just be as good as I was on the offensive end. He wanted me to be even better on the defensive end, and it started with a lot of communication. I wanted to take that step in my career because I wanted to get better. I wanted to compete for championships. I started to take that leadership as far as my communication being loud, speaking calls out, getting into film sessions a bit more, diving into that. So these are some guys that are – I mean, and LeBron at one point was a good defender. I know that some things have kind of fallen apart on that end for LeBron. He's been kind of made – a joke, just all the videos that there of him standing flat footed and just not even giving a damn on the defensive end, especially his last 37 year the years old, man. He's 37 years old and the Lakers were, were hot garbage. Average 33 points a game. He's going to take some rests on defense. He's got to take a little, little snooze on one end right now. He's, he's got to save his energy. I get that. Um, but when he was all defensive team, when LeBron was, he accredited to Mike Brown. So, the Kings have had the worst defense in the league, and that's not being exaggerative. It's it's there. The numbers will tell you they've had the worst defense in the NBA. I think last year they might have had maybe the worst defense of all time, people were saying. Like some people around the league were saying they'd never seen a defense that horrible. Um, just a revolving door. So Mike Brown, I think already without even – having his introductory press conference, I already can tell you the defense is going to be better. Maybe I don't know how better it's going to be, but I can already, I can, I would be willing to guarantee right now they will not have as, as awful as a defensive rating next year as they did this year, which I believe was the worst in the NBA. So um, just seeing what the players on the Warriors are saying about him, seeing what other players that have played for him have said about Mike Brown. It has me feeling optimistic about the defense. Uh, obviously the offense needs work too, but um Hey man, the Kings are a horrible defensive team and they brought in yeah. defensive minded coach. That's that's gotta be a positive, at least, you know, on paper right now. Definitely. And I think that the team is going to come in. We haven't seen this team come in with a defensive mindset in a couple of years. I mean, Jaeger's years stick out specifically to me, but um even then, you know, they weren't an incredible defense. Um, I think every single year under the Walton era and then even even the back end of the Jaeger era. It was a lot focused on the offense and and uh, optimizing De'Aaron Fox and optimizing his offense, which will still be a priority. But I do think um, Mike Brown does see defense as the number. You know, he I can see him coming in and being like, look, forget everything else. Like, we're going to be a good defensive team, first and foremost. I not saying I don't care about the offense, but we'll, we'll figure out the offense later, like we need to be a shutdown team. And I could see uh, that kind of being his main focus for his first stretch of, of games for sure. Um, but again, I think it's going to come down to, to the personnel that they have out there. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, they can't, like I said, they can't, they can't roll out Trey Lyles and Dante DiVincenzo. And, and maybe, you know, we'll, we'll probably maybe see a good amount of Chemezi Metu with him uh, having that team Nigeria link, but yeah. Um, and, and, just, you know, yeah, like, like you said, we need to figure out who's going to be on the team. And, and Dante yeah. is someone who – he is a good defender, but, I mean, may, we need more out of everybody. Like, you need more – I mean, De'Aaron Fox. I mean, I hate to target him, but De'Aaron Fox plays the most minutes of anybody on the team, yeah. and, and he was not a good defender. So, I think Mike Brown should start with solving that issue for, for yeah. sure. Have your star point guard. You know, he needs to pick it up on the defensive end. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be – day one at training camp, it'd be fine. Bring one basketball in you know, let's just run defensive sets, just, you know, yeah. rotate everybody out three defensive sets and, and let's, let's get this really rolling because um, Mike Brown as a head coach knows defense. I mean, obviously every, every season that he's been a head coach, um, his defensive ratings have gone 14th in the league, fourth, 11th, third, seventh, 13th. And Sacramento has never finished in the top 15 since the playoff drought started. Never. Um, cool. and last year in defensive rating, the Kings were 29th. I, I, I don't know what more you needed to hear as far as, you know, if you're listening to this and you watch the Sacramento Kings, you know, the defense is an issue. So it was addressed with Mike Brown. With that being said, Chris, I want to ask you just as far as the coaching search as a whole, um, Jason Jones from the athletic, you know, he's, he used to cover the Sacramento Kings for years. Um, good guy, funny guy. Um, 
he did say he felt the coaching search was rushed. And it's funny to really kind of think back and look at it because, I mean, you were on vacation for part of it, but when I was in the office last week, just waiting for this process to, to get going, I mean, they announced the finalists, I think on Tuesday and we went almost a whole week. We went until from Tuesday to Sunday with them um, having announced those were three finalists, Mike Brown, Steve Clifford, Mark Jackson, and then kind of crickets for about five, six days. Do you feel like the process, which is kind of about six, seven days, was rushed? Or do you think that this was kind of a, unless Quinn Steiner was like, oh, this was going to be it anyways. Like, do you think that it was rushed? Or do you think they should have maybe sat back and waited until near draft time? Like, how do you kind of feel about the process? I think the process itself took the right amount of time, but I think the timing is the questionable part of it. Um, there's no reason why they had to do it so soon before the playoffs ends. But to your point, like who really is going to be thrown into their coaching search pool that isn't already there? And what's the point of, and I'm sure this is how the, the organization viewed it. What's the point of just losing out? I mean, we see the the Lakers and the Hornets are, are currently searching for coaches. Uh, it seems like Mark, Mark Jackson might get pretty far in the, uh, in the Lakers coaching search. Well, if the Kings really did have true interest in, in Mark Jackson, they probably would have felt pretty bad at the fact that they pretty much just lost that candidate because they didn't start their process soon enough. Um, so I think the Kings also, you know, they're probably in a situation where they're like, look, like we can't afford to not get the guy, the best guy that we see fit. So was it rushed? Maybe in the sense of they did it too early, but at the same time, much rather get your your horses in line as soon as possible and that way you you have you know you you're you know what what you're building towards um as soon as possible you know now they know that Mike Brown's their coach maybe they would look for different kind of personnel uh with Mike Brown as opposed to Mark Jackson and that kind of stuff that's maybe I'm being a little devil's advocate here but um i i i don't i wouldn't say it was it didn't feel rushed to me um yeah, I I don't think so. Well, also like as far as I think that they put their feelers out. Who who was interested in this position? Who wants to come interview? People probably said no. I mean, we saw Kenny Atkinson was on the the early 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 list of people that they were going to target. He never even interviewed. Um, I don't think he was ever interested in the position. Terry Stotts, Portland's former coach. I've been big on him ever mm-hmm. since the Blazers let him go. His name never showed up once, and he already interviewed for the Lakers job. So. There are people I think that the Kings maybe would have liked to have come in and they just simply weren't interested. Um, So, yeah, to me, I feel like they did do their due diligence. I mean, probably even as soon as Luke Walton was fired, they've been looking around to see who was out there and and they had their list. I don't think this was a rushed two week. That's another great point as well. Yeah, they've they've had a lot of time to think about who they want to bring in. It's six months. They've had six months, seven months to 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 get their short list as well. Yeah, and some people were were open. Like Steve Clifford is a guy who could even be on the bench next season anyway as a associate head coach. That's something I've, I've seen I it as a possibility. That. I know. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why people like. I don't know if that's sourced out or if it's just because Wes Wilcox was brought on after being interviewed. That's that's yeah. what I feel like a, a majority of that is. But that also kind of well, feels like a one you know a one by one case. I mean, it's having your cake and eating it too. They they might be able to have all of it. They they might be able to, you know, it, it kind of happened with, um, not necessarily Alvin Gentry, but I mean, Alvin Gentry didn't come on expecting to be the head coach, even though he has been a head coach. He he, but then he did. So that I it, think it's always. Knew. I think, think he, he definitely knew? knew that there was. I think he definitely was well aware that Luke Walton. There was a more than good shot that it wasn't going to work out, and if it didn't work out, he would be who they looked to. I feel like dark, it was a very dark, not even a risk. It was just a calculated move. That's dark, but you're probably not, not in a wrong. dark way. Just, I mean, I mean it, for, you know, he, even though like, it is true. Sure. And Alvin Gentry like has said multiple times, like how Luke is his friend and how like he felt awful for him. There has to be a possibility in the back of your head though. When you take that position that definitely in the NBA, NBA head coaches are, it's a cold business. You know, people get fired all the time, even they don't deserve to be Luke Walton's are, deserve to be fired. Um, 
but it has to be a possibility, even if they are your friends, that you could be taking their job at some point. I mean, watching Winning Time right now. Winning Time is a perfect yeah. example of that. Have you watched it? Have you finished the season? I've watched the first three episodes. I just started mm-hmm. like two days ago. Well, obviously, Paul Westhead and, and what happened with him and the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, it, it Look, it's a perfect example of your friends. You know, they're not always going to be your friends when it comes down to business decisions in the NBA. So, yep. um, like in Moneyball. Moneyball, Billy Bean, to say he never talked to the players because he felt bad about trading them. Relationships happen. They can get broken. Um, so I'm getting off track. I'm just kind of ranting now about winning time. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm all on winning time now. Point is, uh, it doesn't hurt to bring in a head coach uh, to be your associate head coach or to be on your bench. And the Kings are going to probably have some openings on the bench. Um, we don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know who's going to return. We don't know who is going to be um sent off to go look for new endeavors but obviously doug christie is a guy who was on the bench last year for the first time the players seem to really take a liking to him um lindsey harding is someone that the players have said a lot of great things about the work she's been doing um and then obviously rico hines has been i mean maybe the arguably the most important part of that that bench for the past two or three seasons so um is there anybody you would like to see come back next season? Or are you kind of thinking, you know, let's just get rid of like cut everything, like kind of like a, like a tumor. Let's just cut the whole thing off and let's just kind of see if we can heal this thing with, with a new, a new remedy. Or are, are you thinking there are some pieces that can be salvaged from this, this past coaching staff? Yeah. I mean, selfishly, I definitely want Doug back. I mean, I, I, I know Doug decently. Um, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm close personal friends with Doug Christie, but no, um, you got, I'd I, you guys I, are yeah. acquaintances maybe friends I've, I've, I've dealt with doug enough to know the kind of guy he is and um and how much he wants to be a head coach here or not head coach i'm sorry he i'm sure he would love to be a head coach but how much hey, he, he just he, his name was never listened never mentioned by the way people were so big on <laughs> doug christie's yeah, gonna be the next rightfully so i'm sorry yeah. but <laughs> if we're trying to run this actual coaching search like we it was very clear that experience was wanted and god bless doug maybe one day but um right now i mean i i just want him gaining as much as experience as possible and i know he he appreciates the opportunity he's he's been given right now and i know he just is is soaking it all in and he loves every minute of it but um i just think you know we've seen bobby jackson survive multiple different coaches as um uh, in staying on the bench i think that there's not an unwritten rule, but I think that there's always kind of a, Hey, like this guy means a lot to our organization. Like what's one bench spot to him? Um, you know, I, I, I would be, I would be pretty shocked. I would, I would say that personally, and I, this is, I wouldn't say it's sourced, but I've from, from things that I've heard, I'm, I'm, about ninety five percent sure that Doug Christie will be back. Um, Chris Wattbomb, not not quite. Maybe maybe Watt when bomb. I feel like ninety nine percent, that's when I'll I'll drop it. But um, I'm I'm no. from from things that I've gathered, it seems like Doug Doug will more than likely be back. But um, I, I, so I I'm not putting it out there for sure. No, Just on a podcast. But, no, someone's gonna take it and run with it. Yeah. But no, I I agree because when you think of when you think about what Vivek Ranadive did as far as he stepped aside, even though he wanted Mark Jackson and let Monty McNair and the front office do their job, I feel like he will probably, I don't know about put your foot down, put his foot down, but he probably will say, hey, Doug Christie should be staying. Like, yeah. I want him to stay. Yeah. And I think that's one I think I can get behind. Like, rightfully so, Doug is not an issue. Doug is no. not a problem. Doug is him. not a, a power-hungry guy. He's not going to be there, and he's not going to be some snitch for Vivek that, like, you know, is is some middleman between hit the organization and the coaching staff. Like, Doug is legitimately there because he cares about this franchise um, and wants to see this team succeed for both the fans and because – as he has stated 10,000 times, he has unfinished business here. Um, he wants to see this team succeed, and it's not in a selfish way. It's not that he feels like he has the answers to get this team over the hump. It's just literally he wants to do as much as he humanly possibly can in order to what he feels right what was wronged from us. Um, 
And, you know, this might sound like a Hallmark card or a Disney movie or something, but like Doug Christie legitimately cares about this franchise and just wants to see us win. He uh, we should keep as many of those people around as possible. I agree. I agree. For that very reason. I mean, yeah. I mean, go ahead. For the other people, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think any, you know, I don't think Rico Hines has that kind of affection or Lindsey Harding has that kind of affection for the Kings. But um, I think both of those people are, are more than qualified to be on any bench. Um, Rico obviously is, is, is famous for having his off season runs and, and for developing players like Pascal Siakam and, and, uh, I think Montrez Harrell as well. Um, we can, we can definitely use someone like him. I think he got named head of player development last season. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a very big title that, you know, people have had. And I think Jerry Reynolds used to have that title at one point, um, it's a it's a pretty big title, you know. It, it wouldn't surprise me if he stays on with the team. Lindsey Harding, I uh, I too have heard very good things about from people, and uh, she she I I think her relationship was more close to Luke, and that's why she was on staff. So I would probably be surprised if she's back, but at the same time, you know, I I don't I don't really know how these things go. No, I mean, like I agree with all your points. I I think Rico. And Lindsay too. Rico though has been here and a huge part of what the Kings have been doing. He he d- doesn't do it just with the Kings too. He trained, he's trained countless NBA stars from around the league and and has a lot of people in his corner. And a guy that I'm sure Mike Brown and the the rest of the Warriors staff are are familiar with too. I'm sure that Rico Hines has made his ripples through the NBA. Um, as is Doug Christie, as is Lindsay Harden. I mean, they're all people that are that are known around the league. So I I know it's it's kind of like when we were thinking back about. Um, who would we want to have back next season? Who we want to do this and that? Uh, you can't bring everybody back and expect it to work. You, you you can't bring everyone back and expect the same formula to with a different you know chemist to work. So it it's going to have to take a little bit of changes. And I wouldn't expect all three come back, but I think that um, I wouldn't be surprised if if one or two came back for sure. Mm-hmm. With Doug being like you said, I mean I haven't heard anything about it, but I I just based off of feeling. And just knowing what Doug means to this franchise and the city and just watching how he worked during practice and, and during pregame, um, how he filled in for, for Alvin Gentry in, in my opinion, did a great job as far as handling the media in that situation, which I don't think he ever would have thought he would be in. I mean, yeah. months before that he was, we were working with him on the afternoon show at Gage. I was at a golf then, tournament with Doug working a golf tournament with Doug, like, a month before that <laughs> yeah we we got a phone call from jason saying that doug just let like him know five he's- minutes before maybe you know we have time right now why not we'll yeah. tell that story um yeah i mean it was like what it was probably legitimately like five or ten minutes before three o'clock which is when doug and jason were supposed to go on air and jason ross i think did he call both of us or was it one yeah. at a time he called both he might- of us yeah. Like, oh, it was, it was on a, t- a team's meeting. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And he was like, uh, Hey guys, um, this is all, this is all honestly happening pretty fast. So I'm, I'm kind of, I just learned, like, I think he said he had just learned like five or 10 minutes before, um, Doug has accepted a job on the Kings coaching staff. So he will no longer be a part of, uh, the of, show of the show uh and like this is starting like tomorrow (laughs) well yeah the kings the kings like 20 minutes later put out a tweet announcing it and people went crazy and it was cool like we were stoked but it was also like shock it was like shocking because doug's been a part of the station for had been a part of the station for years and And was in future plans (laughs) yeah and and look it was the right move for him though like as far as he belongs he belongs in a gym I mean, as great as he is on a microphone and on TV and radio, because uh, I'm sure he had the same conversation with NBC as well. Yeah. You know, not just us, but um, he belongs on the floor. Like he's a basketball player, a basketball mind, um, and I I think that his career would have been fulfilled the greatest doing what he does now, which is why I think yeah. he should be back. I mean, I think he definitely deserves to be, um, and he has connections. I'm sure he could probably latch on somewhere else at this point, but he he deserves to be to stay. We're in the keep Doug on the coaching staff camp. We're officially Definitely. on that train. Um, last thing, I guess. Um, okay. I mean, looking at 
the coaching search is done. That's over. Don't really need to talk about that much anymore. Now it's about who will come in and take over on the staff. Uh, the draft lottery is a week from today. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling lucky? No. I'm not either. Let's go tankathon for a <laughs> tankathon simulation. I'm gonna sim. I'm gonna sim the lottery real quick. Uh, should I do lottery or dra- I'll do lottery? We'll do draft board later. I'm gonna do lottery. I'll one, do mock two, draft. You do lottery. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna do lottery. One, two, three. We fell to eight. Okay, I will do mock draft. One, two, three, and <laughs> number one pick. Kings get the number one pick. It's that easy, ladies and Let's gentlemen. Let's go. I, uh, so one I world we move down, and one we move all the way up. How about a third universe? Shout out Doctor Strange. Uh, I did it. <laughs> I did it again. You know what happened? Uh, move down to nine. I don't know how possible that is, but we fell down to nine. I think there's like a zero point, like zero point zero zero. <laughs> Just seeing that red arrow of the two, like I fell to. My God, man. So that's those are the different universes that we can live in, ladies and gentlemen. Like that's. It's it really will be that big of a swing where it's like we're either going to be incredibly happy and feel so blessed and be like, oh, my gosh, this might actually be it. This might be the start of the turnaround or we get absolutely reamed and we're like, oh, my gosh, we got the ninth pick. Can we even can we even move that? Like, is that even do people even want the ninth pick? Um what and what range we'll did that put us? Like back up, back up, forward or something. Who's in the nine range? Like Dyson Daniels, who's in the G League. I mean, Mark Williams is there. Jalen yeah. Duran, who is really he really fell. Jeremy um, Shohan. Yeah, I don't know where that. I mean, ben, Benedict Mather can Maverick, fall. Maybe maybe AJ Griffin will have a, a fall. People um, fall. I mean, I get it, but Tari um, will probably so, be around there. I believe the last four seven spots have jumped. I think all like the last four years, I believe they've all jumped to the top four. Um, So I'm going to ask you right now your prediction. What is your prediction and what will your hard prediction? What will happen next Tuesday at the lottery? I think we stay at seven, and I that's probably like the the easiest thing to say, but it just doesn't feel like we're going to get lucky. It feels like it'll be the most boring thing possible, and um, I think. Seven is also very unfortunate because it is kind of like a crossroads of like, do we try and get, do we use this pick to upgrade our roster in terms of like packaging it with a trade or just shipping it off in general? Or do we kind of wait until draft night, see what's there, maybe move it on draft night or maybe... uh, you know, take just see what's, what's available. If we like what, if somebody falls that we like, I don't know. A seven just to me seems like the ultimate purgatory move. I think nine, if you fall down to eight or nine, I would like to think you probably are going to lean towards shopping it. But if also, if they move up to like four, they, I think they probably would at least consider shopping it. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a big three in this draft. I mean, there's yeah. a big three and four would be great. I mean, Jaden Ivy would be, would be fine. Uh, Jaden Sharp. I'm not, I'm not sure how, Hi, I, I mean he, he hasn't played, so I'm 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 have to go watch high school tape. Yeah, um, Keegan Murray obviously is is someone I'm very intrigued of. If the Kings were to stay at seven, if he could be available, um, Keegan would be a fine seventh pick. I think that's now, around right value for him. I will say, as far as a defensive team, what they are trying to do, um, I could see AJ Griffin, AJ Griffin being the guy, especially for Mike Brown. So. Yeah, I I really I'm also feeling like you know actually I I gotta be honest I feel like they're gonna fall to eight I just have I've I yeah. I've felt this way since the season ended they're gonna fall to eight it's it's not in, in my mind at all in the lottery 2017 or 2018 was really fun for that mm-hmm. split second when we saw that Bulls logo get held up and everyone went crazy and then we ended up ruining our <laughs> lives uh, a month later by selecting Marvin Bagley. Um, but it is it's like that moment right before will be fun. It's always fun that moment before where you're like, oh, yep. and you have to hope no one else before you jumps. If if anyone else before us jumps, that's where you kind of know, like, uh oh, like either we're gonna fall or or we're probably staying the mm-hmm. same. Like if, if if nine or eight were to jump, I'd be like, 
Oh boy. That's yeah. uh we're not moving up. Um so yeah, I, I my prediction is they fall to eight, yours is seven. Mm-hmm. Uh we'll be at Bar West on Tuesday. Tuesday. Come say hello. Yes, come say hello. Come enjoy the lottery with us. Three Who knows? You know, if something good happens, it would actually be fun to be a part of a crowd of celebration. Um, so that'd be, that's a good a good point. If they were to jump, that'd be fun. But I yeah. would imagine don't miss out. Don't miss on that opportunity. Come on out to Bar West, or be disappointed with us, or be disappointed. Yeah, come curse with us and come drink drink the night away. We'll drink yep. some soda pop until we can't yep. anymore. Soda pop, big uh, big apple juice, guys. Yeah. Maybe high C. Or, um, uh, you know, I hear uh, Bar West has fish bowls. Maybe we can each take down a fish bowl. A fish bowl with uh, water, right? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Bonneville. Um, <laughs> uh, yep. Anyways, uh, let's pivot before we get fired. And um, that's pretty much it, though. That's, that's about it. That's, that's about it. Um, we, I'm getting hand surgery next week. I'm getting a rider's nightmare. I'm getting hand surgery to, to fix a couple things in my wrist. Um, I will be out of work for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Chris and I are going to push forward probably. I mean, if, if they jump in the lottery, we'll probably have to, I'll, I could probably just do yeah. a podcast from my house. I'll, I'll figure it out yeah. maybe Thursday or, or Wednesday. Um, maybe night after my surgery, if they do jump, but, uh, stay tuned. We will be doing a more, we'll be back more regular, regularly. That's a word I struggle yes. with a lot regularly. Um, but we're back again. So we're back. So look out for us uh, dropping, hopefully dropping multiple episodes per week coming up. I don't know uh, with Frank's surgery, if that'll be the case, probably a little after that, but uh, we have big plans for the summer. So stay tuned for all that. Um, please De- make sure. Definitely for the, go ahead. Sorry. Definitely for the draft. Like we'll, we'll, we'll be ramping up for the draft for sure. Yeah. Like that will happen. Um, so yeah, just be on the lookout. Uh, please be sure to share our podcast with all of your friends. We would love the growth. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that needs to be said. Um, just tankathon it up this next week. Just have fun. Try and learn as many possibilities as possible. All the different outcomes. Um because it's eventually not going to matter <laughs> and come yep. next Tuesday, it's all just going to be for real. And uh, all those simulations are going to be for nothing. I did but one more. Well have fun with it while you can. We jumped to three. I did one more. We jumped to three. So beautiful. One um, on that. Can't wait. Can't the, can't the lottery wait. is one of the funnest nights of, of emotion that they have in the NBA. Just, just the big, because everybody too is like, it always, it always, always happens where people are like, oh, like it's just the lottery. Like, who, like you're really gonna get like excited over the lottery? Like, who the hell cares? And then once those names start getting unfolded from the envelope, it's electric. It's. <laughs> oh wait, um, who's going to be the, re- the representative? We 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 need to give. Oh no, I already said this. I already. Oh, you you said it's, it's Anjali. It's going to be Anjali World. Okay, I don't like. Are that. you going with Mike I... Brown? Mm, the Warriors could be well. The Warriors probably will be in the playoffs still, right? Probably. I mean, yes. they, they might move yeah, on tomorrow. Will, yeah. It'll honestly either Anjali or Davion. I'm, no, I'm sure. saying the family. It's gonna be Vivek. Vivek. I think it's gonna be Vivek. He's been very like private the past couple of years. He has not gone to very many things. I think he's gonna break that and go this year. I think he'll be in the crowd, but. I think Anjali sits there. Well, it's got to be Anjali, Monty, or Vivek. There's not really anybody else that could be, right? Maybe Davion, you're right. Davion is a rookie, and and it's going to be in Chicago. I don't know. I don't – if the Kings saw Tristan Thompson, maybe it'd be Tristan Thompson because that, he he's from Chicago. But Yeah, I really can't nail anybody down. I'm going to – I'm just going to say – I'm going to I'm gonna stick with Anjali. I don't know. I I, I don't like that. No, no, no offense to Andre. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't feel lucky with that, with that uh, selection. I There's mean, I feel like lucky. A handful of people it can be. I mean, if they're gonna, if they maybe if they like repo Brad Miller's RV and like, put it in front of United <laughs> Center or something. Uh, he hey, he used to play there. Like, what am I doing here? He used to be a bull. He did. You yeah. know, I, I would be. 
send Slamson or send um, uh, <laughs> so what is the comedian from Sacramento's name? Lance. The other one. Uh, he's like a oh, Hassan uh, Minaj. Yes. Yes. Send Hassan Minaj. Send Hassan cool. Minaj. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That'd be cool. That could be possible. I, could... I think. I think. Uh, yeah, I think I've seen him sit courtside before. That could be possible. Send Floyd Mayweather. Like coolest. That would definitely be the coolest thing they could do. Are the Kings still cool with Floyd Mayweather? I don't think so. Drake. Uh, also, don't think so. I think that was heavily Demarcus led. De'Aaron's not messing. De'Aaron's not messing with Drake, huh? No, De'Aaron could probably. De'Aaron really doesn't twitch anymore either i was gonna say he can probably get you like a twitch streamer or something you really De'Aaron's kind of fallen off his uh extracurricular interests minus the nft fiasco he he probably still games just more privately because he got yeah. a bunch of people were, were kind of dragging him for it when he was having like a bad night from the free throw line he's playing too many video games yeah which is i stupid. mean that's just old people yeah. yelling at the moon yes it really yeah. is uh maybe it's De'Aaron again De'Aaron was there when they jumped to two Maybe, yeah. Feels like he's too big for that. Sabonis? That'd be interesting. That'd be kind of weird. I don't know. I, it's it feels summer. weird for like established players to go. It's the off season, and I feel like that's like yeah. it's kind of embarrassing. I feel like for them, too. a little it's bit. Like you're an established player and you're at the lottery, you're hoping exactly. Yeah, you're jump. not yeah. supposed to be happy about being there. You're right. You're right. My take, my official prediction is in this order. It will be either. I'm sticking with Vivek. I feel like Vivek could make his appearance or mm-hmm. Davion. Those those are my final two: Vivek or Davion. I'm saying Anjali or Davion. Okay, which means it's probably gonna be Davion because we. Yeah, probably. probably <laughs> all these be. all these same exact conversations are happening in the Kings' offices, well, and they're who, just like, "Well, we all have Davion on our list. Maybe who we went, should just send Davion." Who went in twenty last year? Did Tyrese go? You know, this would have been the smart thing is to do some While you're sitting here, it. before we leave, <laughs> yeah, which I is mean, here, last see. name, 2020 NBA Draft Lottery. Draft Lottery. Let's see here. It was Fox. It was Fox last year. Ooh. Was it virtual, though? Yeah. Okay. Virtual kind of doesn't count. I mean, that's kind of crazy, though. Okay, it doesn't count. Fine. Whatever. I mean, just because you don't have to physically be there, you know? Like, it's a it's a bigger thing to... I don't know. Just, just to kind of go through last year's, like, participants. I mean, D'Angelo Russell went for the Timberwolves. Yep. Um, let, let me see who's all there real quick. I'm sorry. One second. Everyone hang tight. Here we go. Um, yep. Steph Curry. See, again, like, if you're getting Steph to show up, like, that's not... Well, then again, that was their, like, one year in the lottery. Yeah, those are the Two only players years. that went. Uh, D'Lo, Devontae Graham, who ended up getting traded from the, the Hornets. Uh, don't do that. Rui, Rui Hachimura, Steph Curry, um, De'Aaron Fox. Those are the only players that went last year. So that's one, two. Mm. Sorry, I'm looking at J- James Jones was there for the Sun, so I, I count him as a player. Uh, one, two, three, four players went last year. So um, it probably will not be a player again, honestly. I wouldn't think so. I'm looking at the uh, representatives for 2019, which was the season obviously before that. The Kings had... Why do I not see their name? Because they didn't have a pick this year. That's right. This is the Zion draft where they didn't have a first-round pick. That was fun. Fun. Yeah. Fun. What do you guys think, listeners? Do you think that the yeah. Kings will have a player, a executive... Um, it will also, I see pre- some presidents are like John Reinhardt, the King's president could go. I mean, there's, there's a lot of scenarios, so I'm wondering mm-hmm. when they're going to announce that, but, um, hopefully someone lucky. Tieran Fox also went in 2018. He's, he's gotta be done. He's gotta be retired. Yeah. He's gotta be done. Like how many times do you want to show your face at the uh, lottery? Who, wait, who went in 19? 19. They had nobody. That was the Zion pick where they didn't have a first round pick. 20. Later. Did I uh, 20. Fox? I thought you said 20 was Fox. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I meant 21. Uh, 21 would be... Let's see here. Sorry, this is... I mean, if you make it this far, everyone just, you, know, you can turn off. If you yeah, want. I was like, that's true. This turn is... off if you want. Yeah. I'm out of if you right don't want to hear the exciting conclusion of... Well, turn who off, was the King's representative in the 2021... It was Monty. General Manager Monty McNair. So, I do not think it's going to be him either so who's up, in the, who's up in the roto 
what now? Who's up in the rotation? Like who? If De'Aaron went, then I mean, Monty. I guess maybe Wes Wilcox could go. Like it's a lot of from what I'm seeing from the other teams. It's either a player, a GM, a legend, a the Warriors sent their president and chief and chief operating officer, their COO. Um, yeah, I mean it's either it's either an executive or a player. Send Hassan Minaj. I think that would be a good choice. Don't be lame. I like also it. that that kind of might be stupid though. No one else is sending a comedian or an I actor. Know, yeah, or no anything. one else is sending like celebrity right. who likes the team. <laughs> Adam Sandler isn't there for the Knicks or anything. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> he probably should be. You know, that would be Spike Lee. Spike Lee would be. Spike Lee would be funny. I'm sure Spike Lee's done this before. If you looked it up, I'm sure Spike Lee came to a draft lottery at some point. Was there? They should just send Lee. Our boy, oh, Lee. The, our our boy Lee, the yeah, representative, yeah, the yes. uh, the um winner of the um like service NBA, of the year, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, if if you've been to a Kings game, you've seen Lee out there going crazy. Yes, yes, yes. That guy yeah, is the best. Need. We need him. To that will be, dude. What are they? Okay, now my mind's racing. What if they do do that? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, I was more thinking just in terms of, like, you want to win the night. Regardless of, like, if you get a good pick or not, like, you want to you wanna have something there that, you know, makes makes, makes people sense. talk about the king. So, I think yeah. I think Lee would definitely do something that would be like, how about that guy, huh? That guy He's was like awesome. All excited. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, right. those are our picks. <laughs> well, we'll find out in the next seven days, so. Yep. Uh, bu- buckle up for the lottery. Buckle up for off-season content. We are back. We're officially back. So uh, thank you all for listening. For Frankie Cardicelli, I am Chris Watkins. We will be back uh, sometime next week. Be on the lookout for that. And uh, y'all have a good, safe Tankathon week. Bye-bye.